0: help to worry? 40% of all things that we worry about never come to pass. Learn about a giant in our life called worry and the weapons that we have as Christians to conquer this giant. This message is the eighth in the series, Gigantic. The message is entitled, A Giant Called Worry, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dale Shields. Amen. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to God's Word on this Mother's Day weekend. I want to wrap up a message uh, that I started a couple of weekends ago talking about a giant in our lives called worry. In this series, we've been talking about giants that we need to overcome, not external big things in our lives because all of us have those things but the internal giants that hold us back, that keep us down. For four weeks, we talked about a giant called pain in your soul. How do you overcome that? And then we talked about a giant called anger. How do you conquer anger in your life? And this weekend, as well as the last one we were together in this series, we're talking about a giant called worry. All of us, at some point in time, experience worrying. For some of you, you maybe are what we call a worry wart, that all the time you are worried, and if you don't have anything to worry about, you're worried because you have nothing to worry about. It's just the natural pattern of your life. It's how you've grown up. It's how you've learned to process life. And everything is a bit anxious for you. Some of us have personalities that are a bit like that. And what we're talking about is learning how to actually conquer these things. How do you and I get a handle on worry? We talked last last time we were together about the fact that worry is an enemy that you and I have to address spiritually. It's not just a nuisance in your life. It's not just something that's sort of bad you have to deal with from time to time. The Bible calls it a sin. The Bible calls it a spiritual enemy that you and I have to fight, have to overcome and deal with. We talked about the fact that if you and I are going to conquer uh, this enemy called worry, we have to know God as our Father and know Him in a real meaningful relationship as Father God to us and also know that He's our friend. As we just sang about, He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And so that's the beginning point for overcoming worry. But this weekend, I want to talk to you about three more things that are vital if you and I are going to conquer worry in our life. And the first thing for this weekend is that we have to learn how to live responsibly. If you want to overcome worry in your life, you have to learn how to live in a responsible way. Now, to live responsibly means that you take proper care, you take proper consideration in the way that you live and in the way you make decisions. Because if you take proper care and consideration in the way you live and in the way you make decisions, you'll make better decisions and you'll have less possibility of things to worry about, right? Because sometimes the things we're worrying about, it's all because we've not made very good decisions and we've not managed our life well. And when you don't manage your life well, you have these things that are sort of loose ends that are always out there that you're trying to sort of wrap your arms around. And many times it's it's a cause for a lot of anxiety. So let me quickly talk to you about what it means to live responsibly according to God's Word. First of all, it obviously means to live obedient to God. You have to live obediently. You begin to take the Bible and do what the Bible says. And then you choose to live wisely. Wisely is a word that means that you live your life based upon right principles. See, most of us live our lives on the basis of feelings, emotions. And the Bible is very clear that while emotions have value and meaning to us, and they add, if you will, color to our lives, meaning at times to our lives, your your emotions are never designed to drive your decisions. Decisions ought to be made on the basis of wise principles. And so wise people use principles to guide them. If you and I want to live responsibly, we have to live faithfully. What I mean by that is doing the best you can with what you have in the moment. So you can't do anything with what you don't have, but you can do something with what you do have. And everybody has something in your hands that God has given to you right now, responsibilities and opportunities in this moment that you have in life. And what I'm saying there is don't live in a fantasy world. Live and work in your reality. We all have a reality to our lives right now. And faithfully living means that I take my reality, whatever it might be, and I apply myself diligently to it then we also ought to live honorably if you want to be responsible you have to have an honorable life as live with integrity live in a way that attracts the respect of other people Live in a way that you value your reputation. The Bible says that a good name is better than, than gold or silver, that this whole idea of living your life in a way that other people can say, yeah, I'd like to follow their example. It's an honorable way of living and then live your life favorably. That means in a place and in a position and a mindset where God can, can cause His favor to rest upon you. It's interesting, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, you can write down the reference. The Bible spoke of Jesus as growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in wisdom and the way that He lived His earthly life. He grew in, obviously, stature. That's His physical dimension. He grew in favor with God and favor with man. I believe that God's plan for every one of us is that we would always be growing in wisdom, that we would would be growing because of our wisdom in spiritual stature, spiritual substance, in favor with God and in favor with people. Now, the Bible teaches us the value of responsible living. Let me take you to some Scripture verses that underscore this. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 2 through 6. Here, Moses is laying out for the people the the blessings and the curses of obeying the law. And notice what he says here in verse number 2 deuteronomy 28 you will experience all these blessings how many today would say you want to live a blessed life you want to live I I do I want to live a blessed life well here you go you will experience all these blessings if you what's the word there circle that word if you it's conditional if you obey the Lord your God that is the pathway to blessing is obedience Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Bible says that blessing rests upon people who choose to live what kind of a life? A life that is obedient to God. That's one of the greatest reasons why you, you and I should be obedient, because obedience is the pathway to blessing and God's grace upon your life. You don't earn it, but it puts you in a position to receive it. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Have you ever met, met someone before who's a daydreamer? I mean, you meet them one week and they've got this idea, this business they're going to do and it's going to make millions of dollars. You meet them a couple of weeks later and they've got another idea. They're going to make another million dollars here and they haven't made their first million yet. They're always dreaming about something else. are always presenting these schemes, these ideas. They live in this world of make-believe, and they're always fantasizing, but they're not willing to go to work and put the hard effort, effort into making something happen. Well, the Bible says that if you want to be blessed, if you want abundance in your life, you have to work your land. That is, what land has God given you? It's the land of your marriage, the land of your children, the land of your particular occupation and profession right now, the land where God has put you. God says, take that little piece of land that I gave you and get to work using it and making it productive, and you'll be amazed at how much abundance will flow out of that for your life. Again, it's talking about living responsibly, and responsible living really helps you to ward off a lot of worries and ward off a lot of anxiety. Proverbs 28 verse 19, God's word translation says, whoever works his land will have plenty to eat. Whoever chases unrealistic dreams will have plenty of nothing. You know what plenty of nothing is? Nothing. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2, now it is required, notice that word, circle, it's required. Not a suggestion, it's a requirement that those who have been given a trust must prove, what's the word there? Faithful. God has given every person here a trust. And the trust is wrapped up in your life. Your life is a trust given to you by God. Now, a trust means that it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to someone else. And your life and my life really doesn't belong to us because our life is a gift from God, isn't it? The very fact that you have breath, that you're able to breathe and live, the Bible says that in Him we live and move and have our being. And so your life has been entrusted to you by God. And the Bible says that it is required, God requires that of people who've been given a trust that they should exercise that trust with faithfulness. Now, responsible living, responsible living will not protect you from all trouble. But I will tell you this, it will protect you from a lot of trouble in your life. When you choose to live obediently and choose to live wisely and faithfully and choose to live honorably and choose to live in a way that you can be favored by God in your life, it will ward off a lot of your worries, a lot of your anxieties. So how are you managing your life? So if you manage your money well, you'll have less money worries. If you manage your marriage well, you have less marriage worries. Whatever you manage well, you have less worries in regard to. Here's the second thing for us this weekend. First thing, live responsibly. Second of all, if you're going to overcome worry, you have to learn from the past, hope for the future, but live in the present. Learn from the past, hope for the future, but where do you live? In the present. Let's talk about past, future, and then we'll come to present. Past, what is the value of your past? Many times you and I will hear messages, in fact, I've preached a number of messages that are absolutely true when I talk to you about removing yourself from your past, looking don't look back, don't look at what your life has been, and there's a lot of value in us not spending our time focused on the past. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me. And so while there's value in us learning how to forget the things of the past, there's also some value in us remembering some things from our past. And the primary value of your past is this. It provides you a foundation of education. Your past has one primary purpose for your life. Even in your mistakes, you hopefully have learned some lessons from them. Hopefully you have some wise lessons that you've gained throughout your life that you can look back on in the midst of times of trial and times when you would be tempted to worry and there is a lesson back there that you can bring in today that will help you to avoid anxiety and worry in your life. Looking back is okay as long as you're looking back at the right things. Now what is the right thing to look back on? What right things should we look back on that help us with our worries? Very simply this... When you're finding this moment when anxiety is filling your heart and mind, you're worried about something, it's really pressing it upon you and stressing you out, take a moment and look back and remember the faithfulness of God in the past. Remember how He got you through that situation you faced last year or that situation you faced five years ago or something you encountered a decade ago or maybe something that just happened last week, but you look back and you're reminded of what God did then, how He got you through, and the remembrance that He was with you then, that means He's still with you now. If He got you through then, guess what? He's going to get you through now. And so the remembrance of your past, you learn lessons of faith from your past. See, the saddest thing that can happen to us is to go through stuff and we don't learn a single thing from it. And there are a lot of Christians that are like that. God has delivered them time and time and time again and helped them get through stuff in their life, but they never stop and look back and remember it in the present moment of worry, fear, anxiety. Psalm 77, verse 11, the psalmist David had learned this lesson in his own life. He said, I will remember. He said, I made a a decision of my will. I choose to remember. And then he identifies what he chooses to remember. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Let me encourage you, if you haven't done so, that uh, I would really highly encourage you to start keeping a journal. Because the journal helps you to write down the things where you, you find answers to prayer and you see God come through and you record that and then you file it away somewhere and then again a year from now you, you can go back and read what God did. You can be reminded. It becomes a memorial for your life. And David said, I, I'm going to remember the deeds of the Lord. I'm going to remember all the miracles he did long ago. So when worry shows up, do what David did. Remember the good things of God. So that's your past. Let's talk about your future. What you want to do with your future is you want to hold out hope for your future, but don't worry about the details, because you really don't need details about your future. What you need is you need hope for your future, faith for your future, because I assure you, you're not going to get the details. There's not a single person here that knows what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or the following weeks to come. There are no details we don't know, but God knows, amen? And this is important for us to grasp because oftentimes anxiety comes when we stress ourselves out about the details. How is this going to happen? And how is that going to happen and what if that doesn't happen or what if that does happen and so worries and fear begin to accumulate because they're all focused oftentimes on what is to come that we can't figure out and God says listen don't worry about the details of your future I have the details under control what I want you to do is simply hope in me and put your faith in me and know that I am the God of your future you may not know what your future is but I am the God of your future. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. If you have not committed this verse to memory, you should commit it to memory. It's one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. For many of you, you'll say, yes, pastor, that's one of my favorite ones as well. It's a tremendous promise from God. Notice what he says, for I know. God says, I know. I know what? The plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future God says look I know the plan you don't need to know I know all you need to know is this the plan is good my plan is to bless you. My plan is to prosper you. My plan is to, to not harm you. My plan is to give you a hope and to give you something of substance for your future. So don't worry about the plan. I have the plan. You put your confidence and your trust in me. And so we learn from our past. We hope for our future. But where do we live? In the present. In the present. Worry basically is this. It borrows tomorrow's troubles. It reaches out tomorrow and says, I'm going to bring tomorrow's trouble into today. Now, this is extremely important to grasp because this is where we get into our troubles, our fears, our anxieties. Jesus said it this way Matthew 6, verse 34, Living Bible. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Read the rest with me. Live. How many days at a time? One day at a time. Not two days, not three days, not seven days, not 365 days at a time. No, God says live what? One day at a time. Let me read this now from the voice paraphrase. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Read the rest with me. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Would you agree with that? Jesus said, hey look just worry just take your focus off of tomorrow don't worry about tomorrow live one day at a time now why is this important because god please listen please hear this god only gives you grace for the moment grace is not, doesn't build up an accrue for the days to come, he, he causes us to live in dependence upon him day by day, the loving kindnesses of the Lord, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God is new to us the Bible says every morning great is your faithfulness, Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, everything with Jesus and the word of God is all about living in the moment, living in the now and not borrowing tomorrow's troubles because you, nor I we don't have the grace to handle the stuff that might come up tomorrow today we only have to face that when the tomorrow gets here right so jesus said make got to grab this live one day at a time let me give you five good reasons to focus on today number one because we're not even promised tomorrow you don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow none of us do It's not as sure to any of us. Second of all, worry builds false worlds about our tomorrow. When you are worrying, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so you make it up. You make it up in your mind, and most of us make it up from the bad perspective, well, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and this is going to be terrible, and oh, me, how horrible my life is going to be. And so we create these, these fantasies, these false worlds about our tomorrows. I love what, what Mark Twain said as an old man. He said, I am an old man, and I have known a lot of troubles, but most of them never happened. <laughs> he lived them where? In his mind. And I tell you what, you can be troubled by the stuff you live in your head. False worlds. Thirdly, because worrying about tomorrow is wasted time and energy. When you're worried about tomorrow, you're not working toward tomorrow. And you're wasting your time and you're wasting your energy. One old saint said it this way, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it takes you nowhere. Okay? And how true it is, when you're occupied with worry, you're doing something, but it's getting you no productive place in your life. The fourth reason why We ought to focus on today is because today is needing and worthy of your full attention. That today, right now, this day is important. The psalmist said it this way, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us choose to do what? Live the right way this day. Rejoice and be glad in it. You got it? And then the last one, living better today, read the rest with me, will take care of your worries about tomorrow. See, if you live better today, guess what? Your tomorrows are going to be better. If you focus your attention on a better marriage today, what will your marriage tomorrow be like? If you focus your attention on being a better employee today, what's your future going to be like? If you do a better job managing your finances today, what will your future be like? See, what you do today sets you up for success in the days to come. And that's why the devil loves to make us worry. Because when he gets us worrying, he takes our attention off of today and off of the productive stuff we can do today. And he not only messes up our today, but he messes up our tomorrows just because and by worry so learn from your past what do you learn? you learn what God has done you hope for your future you don't know the details but you know the God of the details but where do you live? you live in your present you live now here's our third point today if you and I want to overcome worry we have to pray through to break through pray through to break through would you say that with me? pray through to break through I'm going to explain this for you today. Prayer is an essential weapon against worry. You will never conquer worry in your life until you up your prayer life. Upping your prayer life is critical to this. And the real basic principle in the Bible is when you're worried, pray. Pray. When you're worried, turn your worry list into a prayer list. One of the most productive things you can do when you're worrying about something is to, again, turn it to God. Look at the instructions that God gives us about this. Psalm 37, verse 5. Read with me. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you. This, wherever you are in your life right now, give it all to God and put your trust in Him, and what is the promise? He said, I'll help you. Psalm 62, verse 8. Listen as I read this. O my people, trust in Him at all times... Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. The Bible says that whatever you're facing, pour it out to God. Tell Him about it. And then Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. I want you to listen closely as I read this from the Living Bible translation or paraphrase. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs, and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. If you do this, if you do what? If you pray about everything... And thank Him for His answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. Little parenthesis there. That's the opposite of worry, by the way, amen? Peace. You will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers, as I close this letter, let me say this one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about it. In this little passage, these verses I just read is the key to overcoming worry in terms of prayer. And this ought to be a, a, a hallmark passage for you. As you study it, as you reflect on it, as you deal with worry, let me break it apart and give you four things this passage teaches us about how to pray in a way that overcomes worry. First of all, we're told to tell God. It involves telling. Tell God your needs. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God your needs. That is, go to God and say, God, let me give you I an awareness of what I'm facing in my life right now. Let me communicate to you what's on my heart. You pour out your heart to God. Tell God your needs. Now, here's what we tend to do. When we're going through worries, we tell everybody else, but we don't tell God. I mean, we talk about it to everybody around us and how worried we are about this and how afraid we are about this, that, that, and so we've got all this communication going on, but with the wrong folks that can't even help you, Okay so God says come to me first tell me what's going on in you tell me what's happening and so the first thing that you have to learn to do when your word is to, to catch it and realize I'm worrying about this now I need to go to God and tell him about this so it involves telling the second word is trusting okay it's not just telling God what you need but it's also trusting God that is you you give it to God now Let's put those two together. Say with me, telling and trusting. Let's put them together. Telling, trusting. Once again, telling, trusting. Now, you don't tell God what your needs are because God needs the information. See, God already knows, right? God knows everything. He's the omniscient God. And so, it's not like you come to God, God, let me tell you what I'm worried about. And God says, wow, I didn't realize that, okay? My goodness. I better do something. No, you don't have to inform God. God doesn't need to be informed. But the telling positions you to trust him. See, this is the idea. God, I'm coming to you now. I'm worried. I'm facing this this stress in my life. And I'm, I'm bowing before you. And I want to tell you what's going on, the worries that I'm carrying inside of me. And I'm telling you about it. But ultimately, here's what you want to do. You want to transfer the need and the pressure that you feel, the stress and the anxiety that's inside of you, you want to transfer for it from you to who? To God. That's the whole idea of this kind of prayer. So it's entrusting it to God. God, not only am I telling you about it, but I'm taking it from my plate and I'm putting it over on your plate. Because only when that transfer happens will the peace occur. If you don't transfer it, you'll get right up. You told God, but you got up and you took it back with you again, Right? I, I, I know this because I've done it a lot of times, okay? And you have as well. But God says, get before me and tell me what your needs are and then let go of it. This is very, very important. The Bible is true. If you want to live in peace, and the most productive life, this is what you have to do. God, I tell you, but now I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm releasing, I'm, I'm relinquishing this. I'm putting it in your hands. I can't handle it, God. Now, here's the amazing thing. If you've had some experience with God over the years, you will find out that God can handle your problems better than you can anyway. In fact, let's take a quick uh, survey here. How many of you have given God a problem before that you tried to fix and you messed up, but God handled it a lot better than you could have ever handled it? See, look at there, okay? God is the, I mean, problems don't bother God, okay? God doesn't sit up in heaven and say, wow, you know, and call some counsel. We've got this big problem. What are we gonna do? I don't know, no, that, that's, you have to understand who God is. God's the almighty God, okay? God's the awesome God, and so problems don't bother. You don't burden God with a problem. Problems burden us, but they don't burden God, okay? Because God has no burdens. He, he is the almighty God. Nothing is impossible with Him. Nothing is too hard for Him, and so you don't need to feel like, oh, I don't want to burden God with my problems. No, you don't burden God with your problems, Okay? You come and tell him and put them in his hands. And you leave them there. Now, oftentimes, we will, as I said a moment ago, we'll try to give it to God. We'll, we'll get up and take it back with us. Or here's another pattern. We'll give it to God and kind of get that place of peace. And then, you know, an hour or two later, we grab it back again. Right? A day later, we're back onto the worrying part again. Because when we're worrying, listen, when we're worrying, we're trying to play God. That's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to control things, fix things, trying to play God. And so, first of all, you tell him, then you... Entrust it, you trust it to him, and then what's the third word? You pray a prayer of thank thanking God, thanking him. All right, write that one down. Thanking. How does this work? Okay, let's say that I have a need in my life and I go to, let's say, Brother Rick over here, and I say, Brother Rick, I've got this need. Would you stand up, Rick, if you don't mind? Let's say that I was gonna, I'm going to use Rick here just for a moment. Let's say I come to Rick, and I say, Rick, I've got this need, and I can't handle it myself. And Rick says, no problem, Pastor. I'll take care of it for you, okay? I have the resource, whatever's necessary. I'll take care of it. You don't worry about it. I will take care of it, okay? So there's been a transfer. I now entrust that problem to Rick. You follow what I'm saying, Okay because he's my friend and I give it to him. He says, I've got it. What would my next words be? What? Thank you, thank you. why? Because I, even though the problem hasn't been fixed yet, the transfer has occurred, right? I've already given it to Rick. He says, I've got it, I have it under control and so my next response is thank you. Now you can sit down, thank you Rick very much. Listen to what the Bible says. Philippians four, six through eight, listen to it again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. Now, if you don't pray, you better be worried, okay? Because prayer is what offloads your worry. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God your needs, and don't forget to circle it. Don't forget to thank Him for His answers. Now, when do you thank him for the answers? After the answers come or before the answers come? When did I thank Rick? Before the problem was solved or after the problem was solved? Before. Why? Because I knew He promised me. I know Him to be a man of integrity. He would not tell me He would do something for me and not do it. And so, if I know that on a human level, how much more should we know that on the level with God that God says, I'm your father, I'm your friend. Come tell me what your needs are, entrust it to me, and then you can simply step back and say, Thank you, God, because I know you've got it. And thank you are two of the most powerful words of faith you will ever speak. When they're genuine words of faith, thank you, God, because you have this under control and living in a spirit of thanksgiving. The last word or phrase you want to write down is thinking, thinking differently. If you're going to move out of worry into the peace of God, you have to tell God, you have to trust God, you have to thank God, you have to think differently. Train your brain. Paul doesn't wrap up this passage of finding the peace of God without adding this extra point here in verses 8 and 9. Specifically, verse 8, I want to draw your attention to. He says, now, brothers, as I close this letter, as I finish up talking to you about this peace of God thing and how you pray through your troubles, let me say this one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Read the next three words. Think about Circle that, think about things. See, all the time you're thinking about things, aren't you? But it describes for us what kind of things we ought to think about. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine, good things in others think about all you can praise God for and be glad about it. Paul says, when you leave your prayer time, after you've prayed and asked God, you've given it to Him, you've entrusted it to Him, you've thanked Him for it, now walk away and change the way you think. Walk away exalting and praise and worship God to who God is and remembering who he is and thinking about what is good and excellent and praiseworthy. Is, let your mind be filled with a whole different set of, th- of thoughts. F- train your brain is another way to say it, to think God's way. A couple of weeks ago, we have, uh, many of you know, we have uh, three of our granddaughters. Our daughter and son-in-law live in Oklahoma. And... Uh, we received uh, one of these precious things that happen in today's technology. We got a video email from our three granddaughters, specifically one of them. Michaela, Michaela is four years old. And Michaela has just started preschool. And so in her preschool, they're teaching her the promises of the Bible. And so she has now memorized this long thing of the sort of a, all the pro, some of the promises of the Bible for her to claim, and, and she's reciting this in her own little dear voice, and she gets to one point as the part of this confession, this poem that she's learning, and she says this. She says, I am learning to be a believer and not a doubter, a praiser and not a powder. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that will preach. I'm learning to be a believer and not a doubter, a praiser and not a powder. How about you? I mean, this is a four-year-old little girl learning this, okay? But I think it would do us well when we wake up in the morning after we've given our stuff to God, say, God, today I choose to be a believer and not a doubter. I choose to be a praiser and not a powder. I choose to let my life be oriented in this direction. I'm going to think the right way. What are we learning about worry? You have to see it as an enemy. It's not just a nuisance. It's a spiritual enemy you have to attack. You have to know God as your father. Know Him as your friend. Know that He is your father God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, today you can know Him and put your faith in Him. And you can know God as your father and as your friend. And then choose to live responsibly. What do I do? What am I supposed to do with my life so that I'm warding off worry by being a responsible person? What can I learn from my past about God? How can I hope in God for my future? And how can I live effectively in my present? And how can I learn to make a decision that I'm going to pray through to break through? Let's bow our heads together in prayer today. Father, we thank you for your word. We're so very grateful for the opportunity we have of studying. Thank you that your word is alive and rich. It gives us meaning and purpose in life and gives us instruction how we are to live. And today we ask that you will take this message on worry and seal it in our hearts, that it might become more than just information to us. Let it become true revelation and application. Let us live it out by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I especially pray today for anyone that's here who's never given their life to Jesus. I pray that this morning would be the time they would open up their heart to you, that this would be the day they would welcome you as Lord and Savior of their life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name. Now if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, we call on the name of His Son, Jesus. There's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today, as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible believing church where you're studying God's Word. Make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.